Hey there, folks. Just as we thought inflation was under control, came a shock on Wall Street and the Dow plunged as a result. I'm Aaron Young. Let's find out why. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. Hello there, great to be with you wherever you're joining us from also on Ticker today. Financial stresses are leading to record high breakups across Australia. But first. Today we kick it off with Ticker Hot Shots. Veronica Dudo is in our New York studio. Amongst all of that snow, of course, Veronica, um, snow on Wall Street as well. The Dow plummeting 700 points today as the inflationary pressures continue to grip the U.S. markets. Investors remaining on edge as hot inflation persists, raising concerns about the Fed Reserve's ability to manage the economy efficiently. It is causing a lot of concern, as you would imagine. We thought things were getting under control. Before we get your thoughts, Veronica, I just want to play this from CNBC. Headline number expected to be up two tenths of a percent is up three tenths of a percent. That's the hottest since SEP of 23 when it was up four tenths of a percent. Strip out food and energy, even hotter. Up four tenths of a percent, also one tenth hotter than expected. There you go. Uh, everyone had been hoping for a rate cut pretty soon, but with, uh, well, inflation still running hot, may not happen. Not a good day. Uh, this has been the worst day since March in 2023. You know, we saw really good numbers uh, at, as we closed the year because of the different holidays. There was, um, you know, spending was up and also there had been some better, um, you know, idea looking at the economy. But after these numbers, it really took a toll. And so, you know, this is something that most likely when investors had hoped that potentially the Federal Reserve would be able to start cutting rates and, and putting several of those rate cuts in place, now they might have to hold. And of course, nobody wants to see them go up anymore. No, very much so. Um, another interesting one is when you see what has happened to the oil companies. Take a look at this graph uh, at the moment. So this shows BP and Shell, two of the largest oil companies in the entire world. And you see the inflation numbers there starting in 2021. And as things start to increase in terms of inflation, their billions of uh, pounds and dollars in profit continues to soar as well. While many investors are hoping uh, for things to improve, really, you just have to have a look at the stocks of performance of these oil companies to see how inflation's going, right? Absolutely. And, you know, not looking to pull politics into it, but it's an interesting time that the administration is trying to tout Bidenomics. And the president is on a tour across the country trying to, trying to talk about how things are so great. And you really hear from middle America how they continue to struggle. So to see then a day like this, when the U.S. Labor Department has put out this report and, you know, it looks at the CPI and it looks at, you know, what people are, are, paying when it comes to groceries and when it comes to, to shelter, it really does match up with some of the concerns that you know they're talking about around the kitchen table. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about what's happening in Ukraine and the U.S. Senate as well, because uh, while some good news perhaps for Ukraine, a green light, a substantial aid package amounting to about $95 billion. That isn't all for Ukraine. It's also for Israel and Taiwan, of course, given the stresses happening there at the moment. To put it mildly, it comes as Donald Trump came under attack for his anti-NATO comments over the weekend. Let's first have a listen to what he said. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever they 
whatever the hell they want, he finishes off there. Um, as you can imagine, the White House not happy about this one, Veronica. Not long ago, Joe Biden took to the podium and said this. Just a few days ago, Trump gave an invitation to Putin to invade some of our allies, NATO allies. He said if an ally didn't spend enough money on defense, he would encourage Russia to, quote, do whatever the hell they want, end of quote. Can you imagine a former president of the United States saying that? The whole world heard it. The worst thing is he means it. What do you make of it all, Veronica? Russian President Vladimir Putin is really getting a lot of uh, airtime. Uh, you know, he, of course, did that sit down interview with former Fox host Tucker Carlson. Yeah, is that, that interview still going? I tried to watch it. And uh, look, I love it's history, but it, <laughs> I think yeah. it's still going. It's quite long. Um, so what's interesting in, in that is that uh, Putin claims that he agreed to a ceasefire in Ukraine and that they were going to sign it and the United States uh, decided not to move forward with it. So there's a, a lot going on here, you mm. know, trying to follow which way we're going. Yeah. But and it's there are a lot of senators that, that are just unhappy about it, right? Uh, have, have a listen to this one. So My goodness, we have enough money to make hundreds of millions of dollars of our taxpayer funds available to the private sector in Ukraine. We are now literally funding their businesses, their banks, Lord knows what. And that plays pretty well, particularly with Trump supporters too, no doubt. So, you know, Aaron, coming from a business model, you can certainly understand this. You know, when you're dealing with money, there has to be money in or, or if you're putting into something and everyone is agreeing, you know, when we're looking at NATO, yeah. that the other countries are supposed to be putting in 2% of their GDP moving forward. If they don't do it, then what are you supposed to do? Where is that money supposed to come from? But some people are supporting the idea that was behind uh, former President Donald Trump's um, you know, words, but they were just saying, you know, with that ending, you know, that's kind of just Trump being Trump. So mm -hmm. it, it's it's something to seriously give it some thought in terms of, you know, what is the structure and the framework behind how that works from a monetary standpoint. Veronica Dudo in your coast of in America today, as always. Thank you. Financial issues have led to breakups for one in six Australians. That's according to a new survey out from Finder today. The survey, which gathered insights from over a thousand participants, exposes the significant impact of financial troubles on personal relationships, affecting approximately 3.2 million Australians. Among the key findings, 6% of respondents cited unpaid debt as the catalyst for their breakup. 5% attributed their relationship woes to low income or a lack of savings, but alarmingly, Another 5% reported being separated from their partners due to a deficient understanding of personal finances. Finder emphasizing the profound influence of financial stresses on relationships, irrespective of their duration. Here is a question for you. Is AI coming for your white collar job? The advent of generative AI is ushering in a new era of technological disruption. For more, we're joined by Dr. Karen Sutherland from the USC. Usually um, I wear a white shirt when I saw this topic was coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I decided yeah, to change yeah. my collar to blue. That's why I always wear red, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's a red collar worker? I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. me. It's me. Yeah, yeah, it's you. All right. Um, this is something that we've been talking about for a while. But um, if you don't think that AI can do your job, um, you're probably not paying attention is what we keep being told. How significant is the rise of AI in terms of taking white collar jobs? And I mean, that's pretty broad. Oh, it is. And honestly, like it is, a, 
this fear that keeps coming up and being, uh, you know, even expanded in the media uh, and exacerbated for people who are really sort of trying to whether work out whether they're going to use AI or not. But, I mean, the, this recent report has said that, you know, big companies like Google, Duolingo and UPS have they've had massive layoffs and they've attributed part of that to an increase in productivity through the use of AI. And so uh, drawing a long bow from that, this article also said that possibly this would end sort of middle management positions. But honestly, I think we're a long way off yet. Yeah, I, I do tend to agree. Um, there, Look, I was reading a great, fabulous article that said you have, at the moment, the AI doomers and you have the AI advances, the ones taking opportunities and trying to see where it goes, and the doomers saying every job is going to go and it's no good anyway and it makes so many mistakes, um, which you could say uh, about the very first car compared to a horse. Um, in the end, it will happen and it will change. Um, and it depends on where you kind of sit on it, right? You talk about middle management. Why would, why would you target them? I guess uh, because there's a lot of sort of admin and um, people organization. That's what this article was saying. So that's mm. so those sort of um, repetitive roles would, uh, would actually be taken over by AI in the future. But still, you know, look, I've been researching for this new book of mine. I've, I've interviewed 26 people in the AI space, whether they're studying it or using it or building it. And they're all saying, look, you're still going to need a human to drive this thing for it to actually work effectively. So I, I think, you know, actually completely replacing humans, is, uh, you know, may not ever. Yeah, and it's interesting, the NVIDIA CEO who, you know, NVIDIA, one of the biggest companies soaring on the stock market, doing better in terms of market cap these days, market value than Amazon. And the point that he made is that for the very first time, all AI really is, is that the terminology of a computer, instead of it being code, is now a lot more of a human language. And if we look at it like that, just as code doesn't write itself, humans do, it's about humans still using AI. But there are a lot of jobs. And I think the interesting point is that the rise of AI AI for some of these menial tasks, as we call them, um, is coming at a time where uh, governments are really clamping down on business. Um, in Australia, if you have more than 20 employees in a, a company, then they can get together and bargain. If, uh, you know, the, the work to, the, the right to not answer the phone outside of work hours just passed in Australia, I mean, the French would blush uh, a lot of these things that are coming through at the moment. Um, I feel like governments are trying to clamp down as businesses are going, you beauty, this could be the solution. So could the unintended consequence, I suppose, and this is the million dollar question, of governments trying to force businesses um, to go the way that the unions want, end up with the unions being a little bit red faced with fewer jobs? Possibly, yeah, possibly, because I mean, businesses will need to scramble to make sure that they could actually, uh, you know, sustain and, and exist with all of these new regulations. And I, I think that the, the businesses who do are really sort of forward thinking and, and, you know, with caution, embrace these new technologies are the ones who are going to be on the front foot, definitely. I went to uh, the National AI Centre, have these great webinars, and there was one on generative AI last week, and they said that generative AI could contribute $115 billion annually to Australia's economy by 2030. Wow. So that means, you know, we may have a smaller workforce doing so much more work uh, than they ever could without the use of AI. And yeah, the issue of, of things like immigration as well, whether you will need to bring in so many, um, I guess, junior, young, skilled labour, uh, if generative AI can do that, could change things too. Just quickly talk to us about the ethical considerations around the displacement of, of, of human workers by AI. We all think it's a business thing, but surely it will come down to government. Yeah, 
Oh, absolutely. And and I think too, I, I think you would have to really to actually completely replace someone with AI, you would need to really explain why a human would not be used in the loop there, because that, that's where you get the ethics around whether it's fair and just, but also uh, just giving that sort of power and control over to artificial intelligence uh, opens the, the uh, floodgates to so many sort of risk issues and other unethical behaviours. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Karen Sutherland from the University of the Sunshine Coast, always appreciate your insights here on Ticker. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for your company as well. Hope to see you soon. You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes.